No doorbell. What kind of place is this? Oh, was this today? <laughs> there you go. Lucy Arnez is immediately funny. How are you? Hi, Ben. It's so nice to see you. Oh, my goodness, look at this view. Come on. Maybe, just maybe, this is beautiful. she gets her sense of humor from her parents, Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz. We're at Lucy's place in Palm Springs, about 11 miles from where her parents once had a home. We spent a lot of holidays here, a lot of Christmas and, you know, all of our, whenever they had time off from the show, they would come here. Lucy got the best features of both her mom and dad. She's tall and thin like Lucy, with that same sense of style. And you got the message about the jeans and the white shirt. I did get the jeans and white shirt message, thank goodness, thank goodness. She's wearing a crisp white shirt and dark jeans. Her hair is gray and cut short. It's not that she looks so much like her mother. It's more like she exudes her, a matter-of-factness. It happens to be one of the reasons I like Lucy Arnaz so much. She actually looks more like Desi. She can also sing, just like her father. My dad... Uh built a house at Thunderbird Country Club, one of the first houses that went up there. That was the view from the family room is quite something. There are mountain ranges in every direction. This one is the San Jacinto, because at the top of it over here is where the tram is, the Palm Springs Aerial Tramway, on this side. and then if you go In the corner is a baby grand piano. On top are framed photos, a lot of them. Mostly family pictures, but some celebrities too. Lucy Arnaz smiling with Martin Short, another of her posing with Tony Bennett. There's one very prominent painting on the wall. It's a portrait of her mother. It doesn't really look like Lucy, at least not the I love Lucy Lucy. Her hair is a little less red. It's wavy, not curled. She's not smiling. This is a version of Lucy that only the people closest to her got to see. What's uh, Real quick, though, who, who, what's... Uh, What's the story with that? Yeah, who did that? Claire Trevor Bryn. Claire Trevor, the Oscar-winning actress from the movie Key Largo. She was a wonderful artist, and she gave that to my mom. It's really good. It's a beautiful shot. What year is that? Probably early 60s. The 60s. That's what I came here to talk about. The 60s were the beginning of Lucille Ball's third act. When most people were slowing down, Lucy was reinventing herself again. Lucy Arnaz was witness to it all. And now I was sitting across from her, about to hear the stories firsthand. All right, I'm going to turn my phone off. All right, let's start so I don't take too much of your time. I oh, can, good. I can be here We're all good. day. We're so, good. So, You're welcome. I have an extra room. Um, <laughs> I'm your host, Ben Mankiewicz, and you're listening to Season 3 of The Plot Thickens, a podcast from Turner Classic Movies. This season, we're telling the story of how Lucille Ball became the funniest, most recognizable woman in America. This is Episode 9, Boss Lady. Nineteen sixty was a tough year for Lucille Ball. In April, she ended her TV show, stopped being Lucy Ricardo. Her marriage to Desi Arnaz ended a month later, 
It was a humiliating public divorce. She could have taken a break, done some traveling. But Lucy did the thing she did best. She went back to work. And she went to the place where it all started. Lucy went back to New York. She moved east with her mother, Dee Dee, her chauffeur, her maid, her nanny, and her two kids, Desi Jr. and little Lucy. Lucy rented a sprawling apartment on the 16th floor of the Imperial House. It was a swanky white brick high-rise on the Upper East Side. Lucy was 49 years old, still one of the most recognizable people in the country. She went straight to Broadway. This time, she didn't have to audition didn't have to prove anything to anyone. It was a long way off from stealing nickels at Needix. Not only could she get a starring role on Broadway, but she had a new musical written just for her. It was called Wildcat. The greatest at getting her man, Wildcat. Lucy played Wildy Jackson, an oil prospector, hoping to strike it rich in Texas. Wildcat was a physically demanding role. For nearly three hours, Lucy was running, dancing, climbing on props, and singing. There were 14 musical numbers in Wildcat. Lucy was in half of them. She was never much of a singer. The songs in Wildcat were written to her limited range. One song, the best number in the show, became her anthem. Lucy performed Hey, Look Me Over for years to come. She'd do it on talk shows, on TV specials, at charity benefits. It was the perfect song for her, a cry for attention. And it had an upbeat message. The right attitude can conquer anything. I figure whenever you're down and out, the only way is up and I'll be up. I like a rose, Lucy rehearsed around the clock. Her mother, Dee Dee, looked after the kids. She was basically the one who primarily raised us most of the time when my mother wasn't there. Back in the 1950s, there was no such thing as a work-life balance, especially for women. Women had to choose between working and staying home with the kids. Lucy always chose work. Those most formative years, when you you make that connection to the mom, you know, whether they're nursing you or not. It's your mom. You smell her. You're, she's there. She teaches you how to do everything. You know, who's going to teach you how to go to the bathroom and wipe your butt and wash your teeth and take a bath and all those things that they're going to teach you. And in our case, it was rarely my mother. She didn't have time, period. That's all there was to it. Wildcat was the hottest ticket in town. It sold out for months, but the show itself was a bit of a mess. Audiences didn't want to see Wildcat. They wanted to see Lucy Ricardo. Come on, Joe, shake my hand and tell me no hard feelings. The only real laughs came when Lucy ad-libbed. One time, she saw an actor on stage wearing a nightshirt and cap. Lucy said, say, do you know Fred Mertz? It brought the house down. Thousands of people were coming to see Lucy, but she was lonely. 
the cast members in the show could tell, and they wanted to set her up. And there was a girl in um, the show who played my sister, and she kept wanting me to meet someone, and, and in particular, this friend of theirs. And I said, I don't feel like meeting anyone. I'm too tired. Lucy eventually agreed to a blind date with a guy named Gary Morton. Gary was 13 years younger than Lucy, but he looked older. He was tall and wore a dark toupee. Gary smoked a lot of pot, had a reputation as a ladies' man, and he was a stand-up comic. I like to sit at home and watch television. As a matter of fact, when I'm not working, I sit at home sometimes two or three years. (laughs) Gary didn't do stand-up the way we think of it now. He moved around a lot. He did voices. It was more like a one-man comedy sketch. Would you exchange a headache for an upset stomach? Could you picture walking into a store? Here's a headache. Give me an upset stomach. (laughs) Gary worked the Borscht Belt, the mostly Jewish clubs and hotels in upstate New York. Based on what I've seen, Gary was a talented performer, but his act wasn't great. There's a reason he never hit it big. When Gary met Lucy, he told her he'd never seen her on TV. He said that he really didn't know how famous she was, you see, because he worked nights and he slept all day. So he didn't know about I Love Lucy. I mean, could you buy this bullshit? Who didn't know about, I mean, who didn't know Lucille Ball in 1960? That's Lee Tannen, Gary's cousin. Gary was brought up in the Bronx, the same neighborhood I was, Morton Goldapper from the Bronx. This guy had nothing going for him. I mean, if she wanted to marry somebody or be with somebody who was the polar opposite of Desi, she found it. Not good looking, not rich, not talented. I did hear he was well endowed like Desi, but that's just hearsay. Lucy and Gary started dating. She thought he was funny and he distracted her. He took her mind off Desi and the divorce. He was very supportive of her and uh, they had a very good relationship. Carol Burnett was one of Lucy's closest friends. Carol told me why Lucy stuck with Gary. At one point, talking about Gary, she said, kid, he makes me laugh. That was it, you know, he makes me laugh. Now Lucy had a boyfriend, but there was still the grueling pace of a Broadway show. She did eight shows a week and saw Gary at night. Lucy was exhausted. I just would go home and my mother and the kids were there and I'd fall into bed and get up the next day and go to work and I lived through it. I didn't know that I had osteomyelitis. All the bone marrow in my body was gone and I began to fall. Osteomyelitis is an infection in a bone. It's painful and it makes you tired. I am dancing on my tippy, tippy toes. In April, while performing a number called Tippy Tippy Toes, Lucy collapsed on stage. Fell off the stage, I fell down on the stage, I was so damn sick. She couldn't keep performing in Wildcat. The show closed a few weeks later. Lucy personally gave refunds to the people who had bought advance tickets. It cost her $165,000. That's about a million and a half dollars today. At roughly the same time, Gary Morton asked Lucy to marry him. They had known each other for just a few months. 
Lucy's divorce from Desi wasn't even final yet. To everyone's surprise, she said yes. What? <laughs> You're marrying him? I remember being devastated. I really do. I remember being quite devastated. Cried my eyes out. I can remember exactly where I was sitting on the carpet. I remember that my dad called right after that. And I picked up the phone and I just cried and I cried and I cried and he cried. And he tried to make me feel better. I think he said something like, give him a chance. Seven months later, on November 19, 1961, Lucy and Gary got married at the Marble Collegiate Church on 29th Street in Manhattan. This was Dr. Norman Vincent Peale's church. He was the pastor who was all about positive thinking. Lucy loved him. The guest list was small, just a few close friends, Lucy's kids, and her mom, Dee Dee. Dr. Peel married them. News about the wedding got out, of course. More than a thousand fans and reporters gathered outside the church. Back in California, Desi put on a strong front. Secretly, though, he was a wreck. He was very hurt, maybe even thought, hey, you know, we'll take a little break. Maybe we'll get back together again. In my mind, they were absolutely going to get back together again. I had just watched The Parent Trap three times. I knew there was a way they could get back together again. And I just thought of something. I wonder if my mother got married really soon so she wouldn't be tempted to get back together again with my father. That could be. Yeah, I just thought it was really too fast. It could have been a little different. I, I, to this day, I don't know why she got married so fast. Um, why do you think? I don't know. I, I, as much as I say I know about all these people, there's still some unanswered questions. I don't know. I think it was impulsive on her part. She met somebody who made her laugh. And boy, did she need to laugh at that point in her life. And uh, he was tall and, and kind of rugged, handsome, in a funny kind of New York, uh, Brooklyn kind of way. And um, I hope he was good in bed. That's all I want to say. I just hope it was worth it, Mom. I'm just not saying. I'm just saying. Uh, not a lot of kids say that about their mom's second husband. Yeah, but I'm 70, so I can say all kinds of shit now. But Desi wasn't completely out of Lucy's life. At least not yet. Desi Lou was in trouble. With I Love Lucy off the air, it had only one hit show. The Untouchables. A Desi Lou production. The studio needed a shot in the arm. Yes, it's Lucille Ball returning to television with the unique comedy that made her television's top comedian. Desi recruited Lucy to star in a new sitcom. CBS ordered a full season even before a pilot was shot. Lucy didn't love the idea. She wanted to go back to making movies, but her sense of responsibility won out. After all, she owned half of Desilu. Still, Lucy had demands. She wanted her new show to air on Monday nights, just like I Love Lucy. CBS agreed. And she wanted someone she could count on as her co-star. 
Returning with Lucy is her perennial partner in laps, Vivian Vance. Vivian Vance had also recently split up from her husband. With art imitating life, The Lucy Show featured Lucy and Vivian without Desi or Bill Frawley, their TV husbands from I Love Lucy. Lucy and Viv were now single mothers living in the same house, raising a bunch of kids together. I don't know, Chris. There's something about you and a boy in a car I don't like. What is it? The whole idea. Desi and the writers didn't want to remind viewers of Lucy's real-life divorce, so they made Lucy's character a widow, and they renamed her Lucy Carmichael. Vivian played a divorcee. The Lucy Show was groundbreaking television. It marked the first time a divorced woman was a main character on TV. Lucy told CBS that viewers would relate. We have done a domestic situation comedy with married people. And then the next change, which was without the husbands, was certainly audience identification for millions of women who would try to go through life without a man and have to raise children and and, and what goes on, life without a man. Desi was no longer in front of the camera. He was the executive producer. That meant he hired, he fired, he directed scenes, and he weighed in on creative decisions, both big and small. And he did all this while running Desilu Productions. There was one job, though, that was no longer Desi's. He wasn't the one warming up the studio audience before the show. Lucy brought in someone new, her husband, Gary. See, I just got back from Miami, and the way they keep building beautiful motels down there. And you know what I noticed? The desk clerks. It was hard for Desi to watch Lucy's new husband warm up the crowd. That used to be his job. And Desi was still drinking, even at work. He didn't drink to get mad or in anger. He, he drank to be jolly and to have a party, but he didn't understand he had a disease and that one would lead to 12, you know? Yeah. Desi started falling asleep during rehearsals. Eventually, he stopped showing up at the office. Lucy sent her brother Fred to talk to Desi about the drinking. Fred was on the Desi Lou board. He approached Desi gently. He said, there's been a lot of talk that you're not really running the studio. Desi fired him. The booze destroyed him. And I hated to see that happen because what a thing to destroy. He was just too good to be true. Lucy was protective of Desi, but she knew something had to be done to save the company. She wanted to buy Desi's shares, and she had the option to do it. That meant he'd no longer be a part of Desilu, the company they created together. Desi could have bought Lucy's shares instead, but he didn't have the money or even the credit. So he sold. Lucy now owned Desilu Productions. She did not want to do any of the business, hated running the studio later on, hated it, but she had to buy him out at that time. So she was forced to do that, but it wasn't something she liked. Lucille Ball became the first woman to ever lead a major Hollywood studio. She was 51 years old. After the break, Lucy goes from being the star to being the boss. 
Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Well, I inherited three studios. It was nothing I ever expected and uh, or wanted, and uh, I really wasn't capable of it either. As the boss, Lucy was now in charge of more than 1,300 employees. I don't like to hire and fire. I don't like to do a man's work behind a desk. I'm not cut out for it. I like the acting. I like the doing. I like being the participator in all of the entertainment. Yeah, they had Desilu picnics. They tried to make it very family-oriented, and Lucy would show up. But Lucy was always the boss and always, I think, terrified people. That's Robert Osborne, TCM's first host and a good friend of Lucy's. He spoke to PBS in 1999. And Lucy was not fun. She was not a light-hearted person. She wanted work. She loved to work, but she didn't want the responsibility of worrying that if the stockholders' reports weren't good or this this show or that show got canceled, that they'd have to lay off people. And that was very serious stuff to her. Lucy wasn't like any other studio head in Hollywood history. Not only was she a woman, she was on television every Monday night. The Lucy Show, starring Lucille Ball. The Lucy Show was supposed to last just a single season, but it was a hit and ran for six years. Between The Lucy Show and reruns of I Love Lucy, it seemed like Lucy was always on TV. Running the studio meant Lucy had less time to rehearse. She stopped memorizing her lines. She used cue cards, and she fought with her directors. Get the camera going. It's going. There's some remarkable behind-the-scenes footage of the Lucy show. Lucy is at an aquarium. She's swimming in a dolphin tank. And she's actually surrounded by porpoises and seals. You can hear her arguing with the director, Maury Thompson. This was not an easy shoot. But Lucy hit all her lines, she smiled, and she cried on cue. In the past, Desi dealt with the directors and the writers and the other actors. He was the one who knew how to be diplomatic. My mother knew she wasn't good at it, and she really didn't like being in charge and having to be responsible for those conversations later on in life. She she always wished he was still there to help her with all that. And she didn't throw a temper tantrum. She didn't pick up a script and throw it at anybody. She just would put them in their place. And I said, if a guy did that, They'd say he's a tough taskmaster. If a woman did it, it's like she's really tough to work with. Here's Carol Burnett again. They sometimes guest starred on each other's shows. We had a break, a dinner break. So she and I went across the way to the farmer's market, and we went into a little Chinese restaurant there. She was having a whiskey sour, and she took a little sip of that. She she said, when I was married to the Cuban, she said... (laughs) She said, he did everything. 
And it was all perfect. She said, and then we got divorced. After Desi left the studio, writers gave their scripts directly to Lucy. There was one script that she absolutely hated. And she said, the script was terrible. It stank. So she called lunch and she said, I went to my office and I was thinking about it. And I realized I had to get tough. You know, usually when women, when men are tough, it's okay. When women get tough, they're, they're, they call them a bitch, you know. She, she was nervous about that. But she knew she had to do something and be strong like Desi was. And she took another little drink of her whiskey sour. She said, so kid, I went back and I told them in no uncertain terms what was wrong with the script. They had to fix it. They had to stay up till three o'clock in the morning. And she went on and then she took another sip. She said, kid, that's when they put the S on the end of my last name. Lucy may have hated running a studio, but she had good instincts. In 1965, she made television history again. The studio had two pilots in production. They were both expensive. The Desilu board told Lucy to pull the plug on them. If they sold and more episodes were ordered, it could bankrupt the studio. So here's Lucy, the only woman in the boardroom, being told by the board members, all of the men, to cancel both shows. Lucy went with her gut. She approved both pilots, and they both sold. Here's one of them. Mission Impossible ran for seven seasons. It won six Emmys in its first two years, and it spawned a film franchise worth more than $3 billion. And here's the other show Lucy Greenlit. Space, a final frontier. Star Trek is, well, the biggest TV franchise of all time. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Without Lucille Ball, Star Trek would not exist. It's tempting to call Lucy a feminist icon, especially since her rise to the top coincided with the new women's liberation movement. Say, w- women's lib can be a tediously boring subject. Yes, it can. But uh, <laughs> Dick Cavett asked Lucy about it in 1974. I am, you know, so liberated it. I can't stand anymore. I don't, uh, I don't have any views on it. I don't have any, I don't even have one line except that I don't understand if a person wants to be liberated, male or female. I know a lot of males who aren't liberated. Uh, you know, go ahead and be liberated. I don't care. I, I've been liberated beyond endurance. Over the years, others had asked Lucy the same question. Her answer never changed. For Lucy, being in charge wasn't political. It was simply a matter of necessity. She needed to run the studio to keep working. In 1966, Desilu ran into money problems. Star Trek and Mission Impossible were expensive to produce, just as the board predicted. Lucy was still paying back money she'd borrowed to buy Desi's shares of the studio. And she was tired. She'd been the head of the studio for almost five years, all while starring in a hit show. So when a huge conglomerate wanted to buy Desilu, 
Lucy was interested. A media company called Gulf and Western made Lucy one offer after another. Finally, in 1967, Lucy sold Desilu, sold the land, the property, and all the shows. What I remember the most is the day she sold the studio to Gulf and Western. That was the day I, got, I saw excitement in her eyes. It was like, we sold it. We sold it. I don't have to do this anymore. And she was very excited that she got a good price for it. And she's like, I'm done. Done with all those meetings. Done with all that stuff. The studio named after Desi and Lucy was rebranded as Paramount Television. Lucy made $10 million on the sale, the equivalent of $79 million today. Coming up, Lucy's home life is shattered as her son becomes an addict. I haven't talked about Lucy's other job, maybe her hardest job. She was a mother to two teenagers. This is the delightful daughter of Lucille Ball, 13-year-old Lucy Arnaz. Thank you. And this is my brother, Desi Arnaz Jr. Thank you. And we're both here to play Password. During the 60s, Lucy appeared regularly on the game show Password, and she brought along the whole family. It was a savvy PR move. There they were. Lucy, Lucy's kids, and the new stepdad, Gary, all playing together in front of millions of viewers. Yeah, we've lived in a fishbowl our whole lives. Lucy Arnaz grew up around cameras. Being on a game show was no big deal. But that was the few times we could actually hang out with mom as if we went to work with her, you know, be a part of the show. Um, And she was good about that, you know. She was good about giving us a shot. They seemed like a normal family, but this was Hollywood. Lucy's family was never quite normal. Hello, Desi. Hi. How old are you now? I'm 11 and a half. 11 and a half. Desi Jr. looked a lot like his dad. There was a softness about his face. He still had his baby fat. Desi Jr. also had a band, just like his dad. And they put out an album. What's this I hear about the new record? Oh, well, uh, I'm in a combo, and two other boys, me, Dino Martin Jr. and Billy Enchi, we just made a record for Reprise Records. Dean Martin's teenage son was in the band, too. Their act was squeaky clean. Desi and his bandmates wore matching suits and ties. Their hair wasn't long, just a little shaggy. And their music was pretty innocent. They appeared on television, even went on tour. By the time Desi Jr. was 12, he was making thousands of dollars off songs like I'm a Fool. Desi Jr. played the drums, just like his old man. And he experimented with pretty much every drug available pot, coke, LSD, mescaline, quaaludes, not to mention booze. And he had plenty of groupies. Desi Jr. fought constantly with his mother. Gary didn't get too involved. 
After all, he was the stepdad. Desi Sr. couldn't say much either. He had his own struggles with addiction. Desi Jr. started staying with his dad more and more. Lucy was desperate to keep tabs on her son, so she hatched a plan where she could work with her kids. CBS wanted to renew The Lucy Show for a seventh season. She agreed, but she insisted on completely retooling the show. This time, her co-stars would be her kids, and they'd be playing her kids. The show's name changed, too. Here's Lucy. At first, little Lucy was against the idea. Lucy Arnaz and Desi Arnaz Jr. I didn't want to do it. I said, oh, no, mm-mm, no thanks. Anyway, but... Why? Who on earth is going to think that I got this part because I was right for it or good? They're going to know. It's Lucille Ball's daughter. She got the part because she... And that was the freaking truth. I said, I'll do it, but you have to promise me, Mom, on my life, that if we do the show and we're, you know, the reviews come out or the buzz starts and they're going... Well, the show's cute, but what are the kids? Who are those kids? Oh, my God. You know what? You'll know we're not cutting the mustard. Please get me out of there as quick as you can. Have me written out of the episode or something. You know, for a 15-year-old, I thought this was pretty cool. And she agreed to do that. And I, I believed her. Pick up your things, too. This place is a wreck. Mother, it's a man. Oh, hello. <laughs> hello, yes, this is Lucille Carter. Lucy made Gary Morton the executive producer. That annoyed the writers. Gary knew nothing about making television. Here's Lucy did well anyway. It lasted six seasons. But Lucy's plan, creating a network show to keep an eye on her kids, that didn't go as well. Desi Jr. continued to use drugs. He just became better at hiding it. He also had a pair of high-profile Hollywood flings, first with Patty Duke, then with Liza Minnelli. Both women were Oscar winners. Both were six years older than he was. Desi Jr. left the show after three seasons. Lucy Arnaz stayed for its entire run. And Lucy, she still had one more dream that hadn't quite come true. She wanted to return to the big screen to be a movie star. Lucy didn't make many films when she was a studio head, but there was one movie she was determined to make. You do like children, don't you? Yeah, yeah, within reason. Lucy was 55 years old when she starred in the movie Yours, Mine, and Ours. It was directed by Mel Shavelson, who was a former joke writer for Bob Hope. Lucy was very good, except Lucy was used to being the whole show, to handling everything. She did her television show. She was in charge and I would not let her direct. When I was supposed to be directing the picture, we had a lot of arguments about it. The problem with Lucy is that she not only was smart, she knew the business inside out. She knew exactly the best angles for the camera. She knew what I should be doing. In the film, Lucy plays a widow in her 40s with eight children. She starts dating Henry Fonda, a widower with 10 kids. It's not easy to play a romantic lead in your mid-50s, especially when you're a woman especially back then. Her face had fallen apart by that time. 40 years or more of makeup, she was wrinkless. She knew that the camera had to shoot straight in with the light straight in, so it filled out the wrinkles. We went on a public appearance tour, 
and she was with me. We walked out afterwards, and a little girl came out and took her hand and looked up and said, Lucy, what happened to your face? And Lucy turned and ran away. She wouldn't talk after that. The cruelty of Hollywood did not end there. In Lucy's next movie, the critics turned on her, too. Warner Brothers is proud to present Lucille Ball, the most versatile actress of all time, in the multi-million dollar production that took two years to capture on film, that grand musical, Mame. Mame was an adaptation of a Broadway musical about a free-spirited flapper whose nephew comes to live with her. It was an enormously popular show, and Mame, a legitimately iconic role, It would have been hard for anyone, no matter how talented, to step into a part like this. It was risky for Lucy to take it on. Open a new window, open a new door, travel a new highway that's never been tried before, before. On Wildcat, Lucy's songs had been written specifically for her range. With Mame, she wasn't so lucky. If you're with me, whatever comes, we'll see that trouble never comes. Lucy went on tour to promote Maine. Here she is on the Merv Griffin Show. Word is around that your Maine may be one of the best musicals ever produced. Oh, Thank God. They say... I'm so glad to hear that. I've never been so happy. You sing, you dance? Sure, I sing it. Wow. You can't really call it singing, and you can't really call it dancing, but I'm out there doing what they ask me to do. Now, don't press me. (laughs) When Mame opened around the country, the critics were savage. They panned Lucy's voice, her dancing, and her age. It didn't help that the movie shot Lucy in a hazy, soft focus. Gene Siskel was one of the best-known movie critics at the time. He wrote, Each time we see Miss Ball in close-up, it appears as though the camera lens has been smeared with Vaseline. Lucy hoped her millions of fans would show up to see Mame. They didn't. The movie was a bomb. After Mame, Lucy never returned to the big screen. Two weeks after Mame premiered, here's Lucy at its final episode. Thank you, my cast. Thank my wonderful cast. During the mid-70s, Lucy didn't work much. She made some primetime specials for CBS. She was still on TV all the time, but in reruns. In 1977, without much warning, Lucy's world came crashing down. Her mother, Dee Dee, died. She'd had a stroke and she died. And she had been taking care of her own house and everything. She was 86 years old and sharp as a tack. And when Dee Dee passed away, I really thought I was going to lose my mom, too. She was so upset. Did your mom call you? Yes, my mother called me to say, "Um, we lost her. It's funny to say like, like that, too. We lost her because she was like the anchor, you know? It was like the bottom fell out. Lucy could never get close enough to her mother, spend enough time with her. On and off throughout Lucy's childhood, she was separated from Dee Dee, sometimes for months at a time. After that, Lucy made sure Dee Dee never left her side. 
She was my biggest fan, never missed a show. Every Thursday she would bring her entourage of friends, and it was her big day. Uh, she, she was some gal. There was a small private funeral for Dee Dee. Lucy coped, as she always did, by throwing herself into work. A few weeks later, she was back in front of a studio audience, shooting a special titled, Lucy Calls the President. Hey, Lucy! Hey, they're ready for you! In the audience that day was a young writer named Jim Brochu. And Lucy made an entrance down the stairs. And, of course, she appeared. Everybody applauded, and, and she broke down. She just broke down in tears. Of course, everybody just got very quiet, and uh, we watched her bawl for a couple of seconds. And finally, she took a breath, and she apologized to the audience, and she said, I'm so sorry, ladies and gentlemen. This is the first taping I've ever done where my mother was not in the audience. Uh, She passed away recently, and uh, I miss her. Lucy took a moment to pull herself together. Then she walked back to her starting position and told the crew to roll tape. Here we go, standing by. Here we come. There we go. Four seconds. Three, two, one. Hi. Oh, hi, Vic. How you doing, girl? Great. Did you finish icing? Lucy Calls the President had a special guest star, Vivian Vance. She and Lucy quickly fell into a familiar rhythm. For heaven's sake, what's wrong with you? Well, I didn't have time for lunch. <laughs> well, you know you could stand to skip a meal. Vivian had recently had a stroke. She asked to be shot only from the side. During rehearsals, Lucy insisted that Vivian go see a specialist. She got a diagnosis nobody wants to hear. Vivian Vance passed away from cancer in August 1979. As the 70s came to a close, Lucy lost her mother and her best friend. She was 68 years old. Her husband, Gary, was spending more and more time on the golf course. Her children were grown, out of the house, with problems of their own. I was traumatically bored uh, for several months after I quit work and Vivian died. And my mother passed away at the same time. That really put me in a a long stretch of boredom. And I miss my work. I miss it very much. The most famous woman in the world had never been more alone. Next week on our season finale, Lucy returns to TV one last time. When that last series failed, she was quite a broken woman. Very, very upset about that. Because she thought the public didn't like her anymore. And she watches Desi fight for his life. I could just hear them telling each other that they loved each other. That's all they did was say, I love you. I love you. Angela Carone is our director of podcasts. Story editor and creative consultant is Joanne Ferrion. Audio editing and sound design by Mike Volgaris and his exceptional ears. 
Script writing by Angela Carone, Yako Friedman, Dale Maharaj, Maya Croth, and Joanne Varian. Yako Friedman is our senior producer. Associate production from Josh Lash. Additional editing and sound design by Paul Robert Mounsey and Heather Frankel. Additional script editing by Brian Erstadt and Susan White. James Sheridan is our researcher, fact checker, and resident Lucy expert. Mixing by Glenn Matulo and Tim Pelletier. Production support from Jordan Bogey, Bailey Tyler, Allison Fire, Julie Baton, Mario Riles, Susanna Zapeta, Liz Winter, and Reed Hall. Web support by Betsy Gooch. Thanks to David Byrne, Wendy Gardner, Taryn Jacobs, Diana Bosch, and the entire TCM marketing team. Thank you to Dotson Raider, whose interview with Lucy is heard throughout this podcast. Thomas Avery of Tune Welders composed our theme music. TCM's general manager is Pola Shagnon. Our executive producer is Charlie Tabish. Check out our website at tcm.com backslash the plot thickens. It has info about each episode and photos from throughout Lucille Ball's life. Again, that's tcm.com backslash the plot thickens. I'm your host, Ben Mankiewicz. Thanks for listening. See you next time.